You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Mavericks. Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the editor of Smoking Cuban. What you got for me, Isaac? Well, uh, we're recording right before the last two games of the Elite Eight, and pretty much every prospect that we like is gone. No. (laughs) Uh, I mean, after, so we have, on the left side, we have Loyola coming out, Sister Jean, um, there's literally no prospects really to keep an eye on for no, the Mavericks. Shots fired. Um, but then you got Michigan at the bottom, and I know I, I did a piece the other day about things to watch for. It's just you know Wagner is this six eleven guy from Germany that can shoot it really well. It's not really there defensively, athletically, but he he's really fun to watch because he really gets into it, gets into it with players too. So could be a second round thing to look at but after today after the sunday games we'll see if villanova goes through of course you got mikhail his coach clarified that after the game the other day he did he was talking about it he said man we got we got our leaders like Jalen and mikhail and i'm like there you go <laughs> that's go. it if so, the coach uh, has it wrong then you know i'm okay with got, going with the coach we got a problem um, but no, yeah, I mean, I expect Villanova to win. Uh, they Mikel Bridges goes head to head with Zara Smith today, which when you listen to this, it's already happened. But and then obviously if Villanova and Duke, it's actually advances, happening right now. It's seven to one Texas Tech, but right now, by the way. Okay, so if Villanova and Duke advances, that'll be the game obviously to watch next Saturday. Villanova Duke, I mean everything about that prospects, at least three in that game that's going to go in the top ten probably. So. But yeah, and it. Isaac's favorite prospect, Wendell Carter Jr. the third, is going to be in that game as well. He'll probably be outside of the top ten in my late, my next big board. Wow, just really, it's like it's like a girlfriend or like a date that yelled at the waiter. All of a sudden, you're just out. You're just out on him. You're like, I didn't I didn't know this before, and then all of a sudden, you get new information, and you're just like, I'm done. I'm out. Here, I want. I also want to throw this out about Bagley. Bagley's getting a lot of hate right now. Or as far as like everybody goes in their cycles, you know. I'm not like, sure if the Bagley thing is hate. It's just like maybe let's chill on the guy a little bit. Chill? How can we chill? How can you chill whenever people still have down him? On him right people now? still have him in like the top ten. This is a good draft. Okay, here here's people still have he should be outside the top ten. No, no, no. I'm saying people still have him in the top ten. Like well, yeah, it, he it, should. I, be. And and still do I. It's not like they're like hate. I, I say hate would be like. You're putting him so far that you're like, all right, now it doesn't make sense that they would be below that player. Like that just doesn't make any sense. You know, I don't think there's anybody like that. We here's, did not intend to talk about the draft, and well, here we my are. Thing, here, here's my thing with the Bagley haters: go watch him play in the Drew League, the highlights of that, and then like, 
it's completely different. That it's just when it comes down to, is, I don't want to go down this whole spill about systems. And we talk about, we were talking about in the locker room last night, like Towns and Booker playing at Kentucky and how they just weren't used right sometimes. I'm not saying he's not used right completely, but some of these things that people are saying, oh, look at his, him at Duke. Look, he can't do this. He can't do that. Watch some of these Drew League highlights and please tell me how you're. I mean, the dude's playing against DeRozan, he's playing against Julius Randle. He's playing against different NBA players. I mean, he put up 35 points in one game with a couple NBA players in it. So, the dude can score. And he's hitting threes, taking me off the dribble and everything. So, I'm just – I don't I don't understand the – one. well, I, just, I don't understand Carter over Bagley. And, but that's just my opinion. But Oh, yeah. No, I don't have that. But, but anyway. All right. So what we are planning on talking today was the last the last nine games, ten, last nine or ten games for the Mavericks. They played their their ten to last game uh, yesterday, two days ago. Now, if you're listening to this on Monday, on Saturday against the Hornets, we will talk about that game briefly. Then we will talk about the last ten, the last uh, nine games for the Mavericks. What we expect, what we're looking for. We still have basketball. I know it feels like we hit the draft really, really hard, and it's like we're already moving on from the season. But we still do have basketball. Some of these games actually do matter from the perspe- from the perception of how these players are doing and you know which players are sort of emerging into roles which players are, are doing things we haven't we haven't seen before uh things like that so we just wanted to focus sort of on, on that for for this podcast and then uh also <laughs> mark cuban tweeted something today and we'll get to that towards the end so let's get started we'll talk about the uh the charlotte hornets versus the dallas mavericks okay so the Hornets beat the Mavericks 102 to 98. It almost seemed like it was going to be a blowout. The whole third and fourth quarter, the Hornets just had this massive lead. Uh, their biggest lead, I think, was 15, and they just, they just sort of held on to that for just a long time. And then the Mavericks do what they do in garbage time. Didn't we say this on Friday, their Thursday show? It was like, how do the Mavericks keep doing this where they keep coming back? I think it was against the Jazz. We're like, how do they keep coming back? And they just did it again. Yeah, I mean, they just don't have players that will give up. And, you know, Carlisle was talking about Yogi, for instance, after the game. And yeah. Yogi's just this energizer bunny, and it's going to be such a – we're so intrigued, like, what's going to happen to him this summer, being a restricted free agent and stuff. But we'll talk more about that later on as the summer nears. But, you know, it's just – there. there's – just different plays where, you know, Yogi personifies what the team is as far as not giving up. And when you start putting in guys like Yogi and even like Nerlens and Doug and what we've talked about before about these guys wanting to prove, I mean, just those three players right there are all hitting free agency this summer. They're all wanting to pay, you know, a payday this summer. So like they're not gonna, you know, they're not going to lay low no matter if the fan base or whoever wants them to lose. And I thought it was, it was kind of weird that, you know, we didn't see Harrison or Collinsworth last night, but Aaron Harrison. Yeah, yeah, Aaron Harrison. But I mean, Dwight had his day, and that was Dwight cool. Howard. <laughs> yeah, Dwight Howard. Nick and I set an over/under bet before the game. Yeah, we did. Tw- Twenty-two and a half rebounds. I said over. Nick said under. I won. He had twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> he had 21 with about what was it two or three minutes to go and i was like dang it i'm gonna lose this <laughs> yeah well it felt like it felt like he set out a lot of the second quarter and i was like well dang i'm screwed now but and up until yeah. like the last five minutes of the fourth quarter too 
Oh yeah, yeah. He didn't play in the first, the fourth for a while. It's almost like they were because well, they were hacking him early. They were doing like the hack a shack on him, and uh, and so it's almost like they held him out because you're not allowed to do it in the last two minutes. And so they're like, well, if they do it for three minutes, that's fine. And then the last two minutes, we can still have him in there. Who would you pick in a three point contest, Nerlens or Kid Gilchrist? Oh, good lord. I think I'd pick Nerlens. Kid Gilchrist in the first quarter, he took this jumper from from like the free throw line, and you and I both were like, "Do it, do it, do it." Yep. <laughs> and he did, and he just clanked off the right side of the rim. Dude, his I think I shooting. Might take <laughs> I know. I would too. I mean, it's just shooting so bad. It's it's sad. Yeah, and he's he's getting paid decent amount too. So yeah, it's, he's just one of those guys. He brings so many other things, but he was one for nine. Uh. Yeah, I think if he was a better passer, I feel like he would, he'd be perceived a lot better. But it's the, the the jumper just – it's hard. I don't want to go back to draft stuff, but it's hard. To, when you look at draft stuff, you're like, if, the guy, if a guy has a flaw like that and he can't create offense in other ways, I just don't think that you're a valuable player. Like Ben Simmons doesn't have a jumper, but he can create offense in other ways. Obviously off the dribble, really good ball handler, really good passer. You know, I don't have to explain either the differences between Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and Ben Simmons, but – <laughs> Guys that aren't good shooters that are like off-ball players, that's where you're – I mean, you should be really concerned. Andre Roberson. Yeah, but even even he has like – he's found a role. He's defensive player, you know, defensive all-team. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't build teams like doing that, but if you have a guy like that, you can find a role for him. But I wouldn't like – Find him. a role, but I don't know how big. Because yeah. even Roberson in the in the playoffs gets exposed big time. Yeah, and he does. They, they hack him. <laughs> they yeah. hack a Shaq Roberson. He's a guard. Yeah. So anyway, uh, anything else about this game? Uh, oh, so you, you were mentioning Yogi, and I said this during the game. I think Yogi and Berea could back up every single point guard in the NBA. Can you think of any po- backup point guards that are are better? I started I started looking through teams, and I was like, hmm. Who has backup point guards that are better than those two guys right now? Like, I think you might say in Toronto, like Van Vliet has been really, really good. He's probably there with them. I still think I might take JJ offensively over him. Uh, you start looking just down the line. I mean, if you count Clarkson and Cleveland. I mean, um, I like Livingston a lot. Livingston, yeah, Livingston's a good backup point guard. Uh, I don't know. I guess you want to go Tyler, Malcolm Brogdon in, in Milwaukee. But there's just not a ton of good backup point guards. Derrick really, Rose, which is really, it's <laughs> really surprising uh, to look through some of these teams and are like, man, they really actually don't. Have, I mean, if you count Lou Williams, I guess you could count him as a backup point guard. Obviously, um, yeah, it's it's hard to look through teams and be like, man, they have you know solid or really good backup point. Deontay Murray, I guess, could be counted, or Tony Parker, one of the two, one of the two Patty Mills. Yeah, uh, it's just really hard to find them, and you know, Yoki and JJ could. Play, come off the bench for all those teams. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think early in the year we went th- went through. We might have did it on the pod. I think I did it on a written piece too about how many teams Yogi could start for at that time. Yeah, we did do that on the pod. Yeah, and I mean, it was a, a handful of teams that he would probably start for. I mean, I mean, with Reggie Jackson out in Detroit, I mean, he would be perfect to run their point guard right now. But yeah, yeah, he'd oh well. be really he'd be really good for him. I'm uh, still a believer in Malik Monk. Uh, I just yeah, and we were talking about before the game. I'm like, man, he's the he is the example of a like lottery pick that you just needs a different scenario, different scenery that you could try to maybe pry from him, and 
then turn him into like Lou Will 2.0 or something. And I'm still a believer in him. I wish Dallas could somehow get him for cheap and develop him off the bench. Yeah, he's sort of he kind of seems like a Hazonia type now, you know, where he was like taken really high, had a lot of a lot of like fun expectations, I guess. I guess Hazonia was even taken way higher than Monk was. Monk was wasn't I guess Hazonia Monk was, was like seventh. Monk was like twelfth. But yeah. Hazonia was Hazonia, I mean, he's been in the league like three or four years. Well, yeah, now so. he has. But now he's actually he's he's playing well at this point. But uh Monk I thought I thought when he was still available for the Mavs, I thought that was crazy. And it's kind of been I mean, I've kind of been proven wrong at that point, unless uh, unless what Steve Clifford said on Zach Lowe's podcast was true, and he said that uh, with younger players like that, he likes to kind of take them along slowly. He likes to have them earn sort of that, you know, earn their minutes, earn their shots. And what he, has Kid Gilchrist earned? Well, he, Steve Clifford came in when when Kid Gilchrist was already like oh. earned a spot and like on there, um, and and I'm sure. Kid Gilchrist is like an amazing practice player. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm sure he's just that kind of guy. Uh, but with with Monk, I think I don't know. He just wanted to take it along slowly. They have some decent, you know, shooting guards. Jeremy Lamb, uh, Dwayne Bacon's playing for them. Um, yeah. I love uh, how you mentioned Lam- Lamb and Bacon. Lamb and Bacon, the all meat team. <laughs> By the way, is Fox a meat? You count Fox as a meat? What would it, what else would it be? That's what I was saying. Oh, I mean, by the way, vegetable. so so I tweeted this out. It's the all meat team. It's uh, it's Jeremy Lamb, Dwayne Bacon, uh, Deer and Fox, uh, Jabari Bird. Oh dang it! There's one more. Who's the one? Who's the one? Oh, uh, Alan Crab. Yeah, Alan, Alan Crab. Crab. And uh, and then Kirk Serious Face was like, Nick thinks that Fox is a meat. Blah blah blah. So I googled Fox meat, and the first link that came up. You would never guess this in a million years if I gave you like a thousand guesses. What does the fox say? <laughs> no, it was, fo- it was a recipe and how to cook fox meat on the Live Strong website. <laughs> what the heck? Like, like, Lance, Armstrong? like Lance Armstrong? Lives Strong was. Like, <laughs> how do you know that was still a thing? Like, what are you doing? Like, it was it was written in like 2017. It was like pretty recent. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's like somebody's cooking blog, I guess now. <laughs> Random so, fact of the day. So random. So Google fox meat. I'm pretty sure for everybody that's gonna be the first thing to come up. It's just the most random thing. Uh, also, I wanted to mention Noel in this game. We'll talk about him later when I mention the Cuban tweet. Uh, people are all getting on him today about you know being a really really good defender and everything, but he he still I think makes as many mistakes as he makes good plays. Do you think that's fair or unfair? Um, I mean I don't. I don't know if it's like even. I think it just has to do with his frame a lot because he is super skinny, and it's, just it's almost there. like in that in that sense that he's playing from behind. Yeah, but I feel like he's gotten better at his gambling though. Like at the beginning of the year, he was really gambly. Many people would that argue that you cannot get better at gambling. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just going for steals, just kind of just really just going for it every play instead of trying to play a little bit more conservative. And, and he's mentioned that, you know, when we talked to him as far as that's yeah. something he's wanting to work on, getting more controlled and picking his spots of when to go for it and stuff like that. And so I don't know. I think he's gotten better with it for sure. Yeah, he had uh, 10 points, 12 boards, two assists and four steals and a block in that game against the Hornets and he was playing Dwight Howard. And I just saw a lot of times where, where he was 
gambling on something, and then all of a sudden, you know, the team scores, and you're like, wait a minute, what just happened there? You watch the play back, and you're like, oh, Nerlens gambled on a play and was out of position. But he did also cause turnovers that also had the Mavericks, you know, getting some fast break points that they barely ever get, <laughs> ever. Um, also having Dorian Finney-Smith in there was also helpful in that sense. Uh, as far as length, when you put those two together, that that's a pretty good defense. Like you get that's a lot of length, a lot of you know hands and passing lanes. It, I, it looks really good. When you yeah, especially because I mean Rick's playing Finney Smith at the two right now, which is yeah kind of weird, kind of weird. But um, the the thing with with Nerlens too is you know Carlos said pregame, uh, what was it? or sh- it was a shoot around uh, last week, whatever it was. Um, the home game before the Hornets game, and I think it was Thursday night. But anyway, a shoot around that morning, he was talking about Nerlens and Salah, and he pretty much just said, "Hey, like this is just kind of how it's going to be going down the stretch. It's going to be kind of Nerlens or Salah and picking." And you know, I just don't get that. You know, yeah, I, I don't. I that <laughs> well, I just don't. Well. I don't get it from the perspective of the people out there who believe that he will be back. And because that it's just, you know, Nerland's getting DMP CDs right now. Just, you know, like, okay, (laughs) you know, depending on, you know, how I don't understand how you can, how you play Nerland's against Dwight. And, but like, what's, you know, when Dwight is like 60 pounds heavier than him, but like you wouldn't play Nerland's against somebody else. Like Nurkic or somebody. Yeah, Nurk or something like that. Something, uh, whatever. That it's just kind of different going down the stretch. I think the biggest thing, looking down the stretch in these last nine games, is the I, I think the only takeaway is the Dennis and Harrison chemistry because those yeah. are those are the two main cornerstones. Rick has talked about this plenty. They've been very very open that Harrison is back at the three, and this is. This is Harrison moving forward, which signifies a couple different things. They're really focusing on – they're pretty confident that they're going to get a four in the draft or they're going to get a four in free agency like a Julius Randle or Dwight Powell is going to be our starting four next year. One of those three options, you know. So, like, I mean, I really think Harrison's just completely done. So, like, this whole shift over this last portion of the season of Harrison back to the three – is you know there's a focus on him getting more three point shots too. Last night in or in shot or against the Hornets, he he attempted eleven three pointers. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. And Rick even mentioned that and he hit five his, of them by the way, which is yeah. Crazy. Rick mentioned that after the game specifically, saying yeah we want Harrison to get more three point attempts. You know he mentioned five eleven like we want that because that's part of that three role. And him going back to that, Harrison wants to be at the three. Harrison loves playing the three. That's his natural position. So like that's the thing, the chemistry, the pick and rolls between the two, how they how them two can play off each other, that's the main building block of the last ten games because those two are the only complete staples next season that will be in the starting lineup. I mean, Dirk, if Dirk comes back, but that's a different conversation. Don't you say if with Dirk. I've I've been thinking the last ten games. I'm like, man, what if these are the last ten games of Dirk? Like, what are the what if this is the last three home games of Dirk? And that just made me really sad. All right, sad. so mo- moving on to the uh, the last ten games, as Isaac alluded, uh, these are the final nine games for the Mavericks. They play at the Kings, at the Lakers, and against the Wolves this week. Uh, 
in those, and then we'll just let's just go through the rest of the schedule. So at the Kings, at Lakers, against the Timberwolves, at the Cavaliers, home versus the Blazers, at Orlando, at Detroit, at Philadelphia, and then home for the tank race of all time, the all-time tank off, the Suns versus the Mavericks in the AAC. You're gonna want to be there. Could be you Dirk's, definitely could be, be Dirk's there. last game. Definitely want to be there. Um, when it comes to Nick and I were talking about the uh, going into the last game, how crazy, like how crazy and weird it would be if a Mavericks loss would mean like two spots in draft lottery stuff, because that's when it's going. Mavericks to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, let's say let's say that Mavericks are sitting at the like fourth spot. And if they win, it would push them back to like seventh because of like tiebreakers, whatever. That would be huge. Like, I mean, that would be wild of what would happen in that game because Phoenix would want to, you know, obviously there'll be one or two. And I don't think, I think Phoenix and Memphis are, are out of the picture at this point. But they are both neck and neck. I mean, Phoenix is 19 and 55 and Memphis is 19 and 54. <laughs> so a loss for them could be massive too because. That could mean number one odds or number two odds. The difference between one and two, as far as the number one overall pick, is like five percent, which is a lot. Like five yeah. percentage points, not just five like five percent increase. Yeah. So I mean, that's you know, Mavericks have have two back to backs coming up, and this is going to be crucial. We were talking about this in the media room before the game last night. How Dallas is going to play this out as far as you know, Tuesday and Wednesdays at Kings, at Lakers, that Kings game, you know, if if Dallas decides to rest vets, what do they rest them on? <laughs> you know, do they rest them for the they Kings? Rest, they, they rest on their loins, Isaac. That's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we can, you know, I think we could probably pencil in the, you know, T-Wolves, Cavs, Blazers, you know, those are all Sixers. losses probably. And, yeah, Sixers, um, probably Pistons. So, but I mean, you just get into these, probably Lakers too. I mean, if you want to, Lakers. Even... So the Lakers are interesting, and look, I'll get to the Kings in a second. But the the Lakers, they're they went eight and two. They had this huge, like, awesome run. They had this win streak. Then they just recently were on a four game losing streak before winning again uh, the other night. Um, but Lonzo in March, man, Lonzo had this like he's had this weird dip, like this kind of like. Up, upside down bell curve in his in his uh, shooting so far this season. He started horribly. I mean, everybody was on him for that. Then all of a sudden, he was shooting pretty good. Like he was shooting thirty seven, thirty nine percent from three. Um, and then now in March, this this these are his shooting splits in March. You ready for this? Uh oh. Thirty two percent from the field, twenty six percent from three, and twenty nine percent from the free throw line. <laughs> it's him shooting in March. Your boy's struggling. They're kind of going to rise and fall on his shooting a little bit. And uh, and so that game's interesting because you're not sure what, what Lakers team you're going to get, really. They've kind of been this, you know, Jekyll and Hyde sort of team. Uh, as far as the Kings, though, the Kings' last 12 games have been a 500 team. They uh, In March, they're 6-6 six and six with wins against Golden State and Miami. Buddy Heald's averaging 15 points, four boards, three assists. He's shooting 45% from the floor, 41% from three, and 93%. From the free throw line, just I mean, crazy stuff from him. And they also have seven players averaging two assists or more per game in March. 
which I think is is notable. Buddy, uh, Bogdan, Fox, Willie Colley Stein, Frank Mason, Zach Randolph, and Scala BCA. I mean, they're they're spreading it around. They're playing like an actual basketball team, and I was not prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for that Kings game, it just kind of comes down to. I think the Kings are going to win. <laughs> I think I think the Kings are a better team right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm kind of. They're, they're eighth in the lot. They're eighth in the lottery. They're twenty four and forty nine, which should Ooh. not should not be impressive at all. But <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, are you are you saying you think the you think Mavericks will lose their next five games for sure? I don't think they lose the Lakers game for sure. So you or think the, or the King, King or the Kings game for sure. I don't think either of those teams or either of those are for sure. I just think the Kings are playing better basketball right now than the Mavericks are. That Magic and Suns game, can we pencil them in as wins? <laughs> probably. We probably will. And it will probably be – I mean, you were talking about the scenario at the end of the season, and it was just like this last year. The last game of the season was Memphis. The Mavericks could either be in sixth or they could be in ninth where they ended up, I think, and then they, they ended up winning that game and it cost them. It was yeah. either sixth or seventh. Like, it, it was it was up there. Uh, I think they would have taken Dennis either way, so it worked out in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, we're gonna that Pistons game is gonna be really intriguing, um, but it's that it's that other second back. So we have the back to back coming up Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the week after that, we have another back to back Tuesday Wednesday. Blazers at home, Magic the next day in Orlando. So that's not the shortest flight in the world. My assumption, the vets. That's probably actually won't probably the longest flight in the NBA, right? What Portland? To, Portland to Orlando? Oh no, no, I'm sorry. no, no. Portland, never mind. Portland's it, at home. It, it's at home. Never mind. So like, my, I mean, if I had to take a guess, that Magic game, the second night of back to back in Orlando, Dallas might keep some people at home for that game. The only reason why they wouldn't keep them at home, and actually I'm wrong, they won't keep them at home because they got two more games on the road after that. So they'll bring them with them. Yeah, they'll come, but. I could see some people setting out that magic game. And that magic game could get really interesting um, if a bunch of people start setting out and all that. All of a sudden, the Mavericks are playing like they're playing Jalen Jones, Collinsworth, Aaron, Har- like Aaron Harrison. Game, yeah. <laughs> Harrison might not even be with the team by then. Oh, that's true. Never mind. It'll be the, the 10 day contract place, whoever that is. By the way, I know we've mentioned this before, but I still think it's funny. The Mavericks in their new locker room, a lot of people tweeted this out, that they have these nameplates, these like metal nameplates that they can get cut. And that PR people told me they can get those cut in like less than a day. Like they can send them a name, they'll get it, they'll get these, these little nameplates cut, and then they can put them on top of the lockers. And uh, for the 10 day locker, that is essentially now just the 10 day locker. Uh, it just says Mavericks yeah, <laughs> on the top the of Mavericks it. Locker. Yeah, they're they're not they're not in, intending on uh, keeping anybody there for any any period of time. <laughs> I just find that really funny. I don't know why. Even the two way guys have the uh, the name over the locker. Oh, I want to mention something. I wrote on this today, actually, on Sunday. Um, we play Portland again, so it reminded me again. Portland, and give me thirty seconds here. Portland's success right now. As Mavs fans, we could be really excited about it because Terry Stotts and like Portland, all this different stuff. But it has a consequence on the Mavericks, and a lot of people are forgetting. And when the Mavericks made the trade at the deadline to get Doug McDermott, they got a second-round pick for it, which was the lesser from Denver of Portland, 
Portland's 2018 pick or Sacramento's 2018. So we know it's not Sacramento. It's going to be Portland. Well, at the time of the deadline, the Blazers were 29-25. and 25. It was the 49th they, pick. <laughs> they were the sixth pick in the Western Conference. Donnie's talking about it at the press conference after the trade deadline and saying, man, we're really valuing this pick, blah, blah, blah. He says, quote for quote, the Portland pick will probably be a middle second round pick. <laughs> so they're saying, they're, he's thinking it's going to be a middle second round pick. Since the trade, yeah. Portland has went 15-3. and three. They're the three seed in the Western Conference, and right now the pick sets at 56 overall. <laughs> so it's dropped seven spots since the trade deadline. So it's it's just something to – does it impact whether – you know, because Donnie even mentioned, we've talked about it before, Donnie, Donnie mentioned in the press conference, he said about packaging the picks and trying to move up possibly. And, you know, is that – does that impact it any with it being 46 compared to them thinking it could be like a 43 or something like that? Um, what does that prospect wise? I mean, you're looking at, I mean, that's one, some of the last five or six picks of the second round. I mean, most of these guys are like drafting stash at that point. So it's just, you know, this is something to keep an eye on that maybe, you know, Dallas is setting back saying, dang it, <laughs> we thought this pick was going to be. You know, we maybe they thought Portland was going to miss the playoffs or something, and they thought the pick was going to be in the forty-two or something like that. I mean, that would have been the, the difference in the second round between a pick forty to forty-three compared to like fifty-six. I mean, it's it's pretty. It's huge. Gap. It's yeah. huge for sure. And uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you start looking at the names. Like I'm, I'm just on Tankathon right now, and the mock drafts. They have it's sort of just like you're making up names, like you're just smashing your keyboard, and this is the names that are on here. I mean, Arondas Kabukla, Sivor Sivostov Mikyaki, uh, Kostash Mishidi, Tostis Sederdiski. I mean, I'm like, I just totally ruined all those names, but those are the names, <laughs> those are the names of the last five. That's awesome. Right now. Uh, that's a big difference. It's, it's a huge difference. It's still an asset. I still think it's definitely something, you know, uh, it's it's valuable. I mean, we saw a, a pretty high pick last year go for like $3.5 million. That was a second-round pick for Jordan Bell. Yeah. Um, but still, if, you, if you're valuing that that pick there, then, uh, then I don't know, a million dollars for the, the one of those 50, number 50 picks? Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I think it – I mean, I, I think you're looking at... Depends on the market. It depends on who else is bidding for yeah, it. Yeah, it depends on who's there. I mean, remember, Jonathan Motley went undrafted, and a lot of big boards well, had him. Yeah, you shouldn't talk to Mavericks about guys that, you know, should have been drafted probably in the, the end of the, the draft because they've been picking up these undrafted guys all over the place. Maxi, Dorian, Yogi. Uh, Yogi. Yeah, Yogi was undrafted, too. Yeah. That's crazy. JJ. That's so crazy that Yogi is undrafted. <laughs> yeah. Which makes no sense to me. Uh, all right, so that's what we're looking at in the, these last ten games. I mean, the the only real ones to to look for if you're wanting like a potentially competitive game, I think, are the Kings, Lakers, Magic, Pistons, Suns. The Pistons are, are just such a weird team to me. I, I I can't really get a feel for them. Uh, they're like the they're like the Pelicans before the the uh cousins injury <laughs> you know yeah. like they have these two bigs they're just you know they're flirting with the playoffs by the way M- milwaukee is eighth right now in the in the uh in the in the east they could play toronto in the first round and that would hey, nick, not be an easy is, series nick is milwaukee that bad because Giannis is their best player 
<laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> they've they've had some some issues. They're still above five hundred, but um, but yeah, like their their last ten games for the the Pistons are four and six, so they're like, you know, a below five hundred team, pretty much for the whole season. Yeah. Uh, not really sure what to, to make from there, but they're gonna be they're gonna be trying at least because. They uh they want to make the playoffs and Jeff Stan Van Gundy's job might kind of one of his two jobs might depend on it. On this one game. of his two jobs. I All think right, he only has one now. Last five minutes, does he? I can't remember. I can't keep track of these guys. Uh, last five minutes of this. Let's talk about this. Uh, this oh Lord, I forgot about this. This thread. So uh, Ben Dietrich, he's a uh, he's a reporter for the New York <laughs> I saw Times. This. The New York Times. He said. If Mavs' disgraceful tactics have convinced you Nerlens is "quote unquote" bad, here's how some current numbers in pul- in paltry in I guess he's trying to say in a paltry 49 minutes stack up against next two qualifying NBA leaders. He's first in deflections, first in steal percentage, ninth in rebound percentage, eleventh in block percentage, and third in defensive plus uh, defensive blo- box plus minus, whatever the hell that is. So he. Puts those up there, and then he puts the deflections. He's up there with uh, he has five deflections a game against you know Robert Covington, Thaddeus Young, Paul George, and Eric Bledsoe. Those are the top five right there. He continues on. He says, "Theory: Dallas buried one of the best defenders in the NBA, who is younger than Embiid and Gobert, to threaten future restricted free agents who are considering taking qualifying offers and betting on themselves. This should be a bigger story, which we talked about it the entire summer. So I don't know what's up with you." People are so knee-jerk, anti-player, pro-owner, that response to a 23-year-old being horribly screwed by a flagrant attack on spirit of CBA, no less, has been that Noel suddenly became bad at basketball or is malcontent. Mavs refusing to trade Noel at the deadline, despite the fact that he's leaving and they're still giving him frequent DMPs, doesn't make any sense, except if entire motive is punitive slash threatening future restricted free agents. To be fair, after you spent two-thirds of a season sandbagging a player's earnings and wrecking his reputation as, as a warning to league-wide free agents, you, can just let, you can't just let him go and kick ass on a playoff team. Then, his last tweet in the thread, Mavs have a unique situation that allowed this disgracefulness. They didn't want to pay Noel, and they can't keep him from leaving this after the season. And most importantly, they're trying to lose. Now... The owner of the have, Dallas I Mavericks. Two, I have two words for that thread: national media. The then the owner of the Dallas Mavericks took that last that last tweet there, the one that says Mavs have a unique situation, this disgracefulness, all that stuff. They're trying to lose. Mark Cuban quote tweets the tweet and says, "You are clueless." Exactly, man. I couldn't say it even. It's national media, man. I mean, that's what that's what happens whenever you're setting up on your on your throne, looking down on a situation. I mean, it's, it is weird. We we've we've noted that it is weird, uh, but it's up to the coach. I don't think that anybody on high. I don't think that it, Donnie Nelson or Mark Cuban are coming to Rick Carlisle and be like, "Hey, don't play this guy. Don't play this guy. He he made us look bad over the summer. He did this, or he you know he didn't want to be here, so don't play him." Like it, it comes from the coach. Like coaches still coach. They still decide who gets minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, also taking. I'm those, trying to change taking, my words. Taking those right? numbers, and he said he said it's a paltry 409 minutes. Yes, okay. that's what it is. It's a paltry 409 minutes. 
And so you're taking that sample size that you call small. You're putting these numbers up there and being like, he's one of the best defenders in the NBA. Do we think he could potentially be that? Yes, but it's still potential. He still makes a lot of mistakes. Like we mentioned on the top of the show, he still has a long way to go, you know, in that regard. He, he does some really good things, but he does good things that show up in a box score. You know, like there are guys that are really, really good defenders that don't do anything that show up in a box score. Nerlens is kind of the opposite of that. He does things that really show up in a box score. He's that guy that eventually is going to be like the two rebounds or the uh, two blocks, two steals kind of guy a game. And uh, and he, I think he did that when he was with the like the first twenty two games he played for the Mavericks, uh, but that's what that's what he does. Like that that's what he does really really well. It's the other things, kind of the, the boxing out, the getting you know the getting rebounds, the getting position that he just you know is completely overmatched by with with a lot of these bigs. Even even these stretch bigs, he's he's overmatched by just because of his sheer size. So he does have. I think he does have some points in the sense that the the Mavericks kind of. Yeah, I don't think he has any points. He has he has a sense that the Mavericks kind of screwed Nerlens in that sense uh, when they didn't uh, they, when they didn't play him at the beginning of the season and then now when they're they're kind of going you you mentioned it earlier when you said that you don't really get the idea of giving Nerlens DNP DNP CDs like on flipping nights with him and Salah like I but think it's that, all about what that, people know like that's the thing like people are assuming that people are just looking at it and saying like. There are things off the court that makes him get playing time and not get playing time. So this guy who is clueless and has no earthly clue doesn't know the things that why Nerlens didn't get practice time before and why he could be getting it now. So like that's the thing. Like I think it's I don't think we can say oh they screwed him because they didn't play him then before. Well, we don't know. Well, things could have happened differently before. And now to result in playing time now. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying they screwed him purposely. I'm saying that it was there is an like an after effect or there is a a consequence of them, you know, not playing him or deciding not to play him and decide to pick other guys before him that it kind of screwed him in a sense. But could could his actions made that happen though? Yeah, we could also you could you could also make a very good argument that he screwed himself, which you know. Yeah, I'm not I'm trying to stay in, in the middle of this without like because you guys are best friends, so it's not best friends, but like <laughs> I mean, we obviously have talked about the situations for right. like, but you know, it's just a you know, some of both sides, and like this dude throwing out of like they didn't trade him, he had a freaking no trade clause. Like, yeah, I don't know this for sure. I, I don't. I'm not acting like I do, but like he could have said him and Rich Paul could have told the Mavericks right now. We just want to end the season in Dallas. We don't want to go. We don't want move anywhere else. He just wants to chill finish out the year and then we'll go from there Dallas can do nothing about it so they could have tried year. a couple of trades that just didn't get leaked the Mavericks are are notorious a lot of the things that we see that are leaked about the Mavericks like as far as who they're interested in like we mentioned that Aaron Gordon report from earlier a couple weeks ago where it was like the Mavericks are going to be yeah. you know interested in Aaron Gordon like that didn't come from the Mavericks <laughs> you know like they're like just not a lot of things come out from what they're doing so they're I mean, GMs and, and assistant GMs and guys in front offices say this all the time on podcasts and shows. They're like, you hear about less trades that could potentially happen than, you know, were on the table. Like, there are more trades I'm on the table you. than the ones that you guys actually hear. And so that could have been totally possible. What Isaac said, where there there's a trade there for Nerlens, and then all of a sudden he's like, no, I don't want to go there. There's only literally, like, two or three dudes that I would ever believe any Mavs rumors from. Mark Stein is at the top of the list. He's been around the organization for a long time. Mark I know Stein, for a fact. Woj, Shams, like and probably where, McMahon. Like Trust Stein. And then, <laughs> you know, McMahon for, yeah. So, like, 
outside of that, <clears throat> to each their own, you know? <laughs> yeah. But. There you go. Okay. So you we, we both else? kind of agreed that he's pretty clueless <laughs> as far as, as, far as Yeah, it's topic. just, I mean, national media. I mean, it's just somebody looking at, looking at a situation and be like, you know what? They're screwing him over. And I'm going to do a thread about it. Yeah. And there well, you go. It's kind of, so the, the national media argument is a really long one that we could go into, but it's like, you can't be, you can't be, and it's the national media argument is honestly the reason why this, this, uh, podcast network exists. Yeah. Really. The, the whole reason why this exists, because David Locke looked and said, man, like these national media guys, they can't know the team as well as like you and I do. Like I, this, this guy, there's no way he's watched, I don't know, 10 Mavericks games this year. <laughs> No. Right, like it's just too hard. You know, I think Zach Lowe does his whole. He has his whole system. I think he watches like twenty games per per team, or something like that. Some of them obviously more than others, but he tries to at least do that. And that's even like, I mean, what is that? Like a fourth of the season, yeah, <laughs> a fifth a of the season, something like that. So, uh, you know, you, you can't know the team as as well as as somebody that's in it every day, that's going to shoot around, that's going to. You know, practices. It's going to you know every game. It's listening to the coach afterwards, hearing what Carlisle said about about Nerlens. Uh, he also didn't take into the fact at all that he had an injury that we don't know when it started or, or when it came up. Uh, he went and had surgery for it, and so he was out for that too. So, did they screw him because he had an injury, or did he try to play through the injury and then realize that he needed to actually go get surgery? Like that's just something that we don't know, uh, or, or I don't know at least. <laughs> wink, wink at Isaac. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I just thought it was hilarious that Cuban was like, you're clueless. And he did it at the end of the thread too. Like, you know, he read, he he read through that whole thing. I was like, what is this guy talking about? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, this guy has no clue. (laughs) So there you go. That's all we have on, on lockdown Mavericks. Isaac wants to say one more thing and then we will go. All right. This is for Mavs fans in Dallas. So today we're recording this on Palm Sunday. This is uh we have we're a week away from Eastern. Mass fans in Dallas, you're listening to this in Dallas. I'm inviting you to Easter with my wife and I. Here's the deal. I'm putting it on Twitter today. DM me if you plan on coming. It's Shoreline City Dallas Church of Garland Road beside White Rock Lake. After the service, we're going to the eleven o'clock service. After the service, we're going across the street to Keller's. Lunch is on me. And we can talk Mavs stuff, Mavs draft, whatever it is, for an hour or so. So, oh, there you go. That's what's up. I, you did not even, you did not even invite me to this before you just des- before you decided to invite all of our listeners. I figured you were going to your own church with Avery, but I come mean, along. I mean, you just assumed a lot there. <laughs> if if you are, if we can tag team this. Wow, does that mean I have to fit the bill too? Like I have to put half. <laughs> is that how this is gonna work i don't know i don't know how many people's gonna come we could have five we could have 50 we could have how many ever but i mean we're not any big shots at all but do they have to, to go to church and then yeah. go to the lunch they can't go to just one or yeah the that's other. the purpose of it i want to invite you to easter so come to church with my wife and i i'm not gonna make you set with me do i have to wear a pastel colored shirt no but i'm i'm telling you right now i'm gonna be wearing khaki shorts and a hat so I, that's usually what I wear to church. So, come as you are. Come as you are. Uh, Unless yeah. you're listening to this naked, by the way, which is something Don't that I think about sometimes. Like and I'm like, ah, oh, that's just a weird thought because sometimes people <laughs> listen to this in the shower and there's somebody right now that's listening to this in the shower. 
It's weird, man. It is weird. <laughs> you listen to our voices in the shower. Also, you missed a spot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I got. That's all we got, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On Mavericks. Uh, sorry, David Locke, we went over again. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Peace out. Boom.